Hello, and welcome to another episode of From God to Us. Thank you for joining us in our series, Journey Through the New Testament, as we attempt to overview every book of the New Testament and to give you a basic foundation into the understanding of the New Testament. As you know, if you have been listening so far, we have covered an introduction and overview and the first two gospel accounts. Today, we come to the third of the Gospels listed in the New Testament, and that is the book of Luke. If you remember from the introduction, Luke is the third of what we call the Synoptic Gospels. That is, it is very similar in order and structure to the other two Gospel accounts of Matthew and Mark. However, as we will see, Luke includes a lot of unique material. Therefore, let's begin our study in the book of Luke. If you have your Bible, you may want to open to the Bible. I'll be referring to some passages of Scripture in this first overview. Also, as with the other books, there is a link in the description in this podcast where you can download the uh, notes and print them off if you would like and follow along. So again, let's begin with the book of Luke. The theme for Luke is that Luke recorded certain events in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ in order to convince a Greek audience that Jesus is the Son of God, who is also the perfect man, come to bring salvation to all people and to call those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior to surrender their lives to follow him. So there's an emphasis in the book of Luke upon who Jesus is, the perfect man, the perfect son of God, and also there's an emphasis on surrender and discipleship. When we look at the book of Luke, we find out that Luke himself was a physician or a doctor, and he was a companion of Paul, we learn from Colossians and Philemon, and also from the book of Acts, that Luke joined Paul on his second missionary journey Luke was also the last person to stay with Paul in prison, according to 2 Timothy 4. Luke now was a Gentile. If you remember, all the Old Testament and most of the New Testament, as far as we know, all the New Testament other than Luke and Acts were written by Jewish authors, Jewish individuals. Luke is a Gentile, and as far as we know, the only Gentile author of any of the books of the Bible. His name is not mentioned in the book, but from the earliest times, this book was known by the phrase, according to Luke. Luke's account is the longest of the gospel accounts, and he is also the writer, as we said, of the book of Acts. And so when you combine these two books together, we find that Luke wrote more of the New Testament by volume than any other writer. Of course, Paul wrote more books. His books dealt more with doctrine, whereas the Gospels are dealing more with narrative or historical accounts, of primarily of the life of Jesus. So Luke, again, wrote more by volume of the New Testament than any other of the authors. Luke now was not an eyewitness of the events of the life of Jesus, but he carefully investigated these events of the actual eyewitnesses and wrote an orderly account, as he states, in the beginning of his book, 
chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, for a person named Theophilus. Let's look at those verses. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know for certainty the things you have been taught. So we see that Luke has investigated the eyewitnesses and written these things down for this person named Theophilus, our most excellent Theophilus. Now we are uncertain of the identity of this man or this person. He's, he may have been someone of significant stature in the Greek world because he calls him most excellent Theophilus. But again, we are uncertain of his identity. He also mentions this person in the book of Acts. But Luke obviously had in, in mind not just Theophilus, but anyone who would read his account. And therefore he is writing these things probably for more a Greek or Gentile audience. When we look at the overall style of the book of Luke, we find that Luke wrote with the most refined Greek of the New Testament. Only the book of Hebrews comes close to this literary quality of Luke. He had a very large vocabulary and breadth of expression, and these give the books a very richness, a beauty that's unequaled in the New Testament. So Luke was, was a very well-educated man. And though Luke follows the same basic order as Matthew and Mark, his account contains much unique material. Included in this unique material are the birth narratives of John and Jesus, the angelic appearances to Zacharias, Mary, the shepherds, and then there's the visit of the shepherds to see baby Jesus. Well, all this is unique to Luke. Luke includes the account of Jesus' dedication at the temple and his visit to Jerusalem as a boy. When we come to the section of Luke 9:51 through 18:31, we find that very little of this part of Luke is found in the other gospels. Much of it is unique, including a number of parables and miracles. By volume, Luke has about 50% unique material as compared to the other gospels. Luke also includes some people who are unique in the gospel accounts. There's Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, Simeon, Anna, Zacchaeus, Cleopas, the thief on the cross who asked to be remembered. And then there's those two disciples that Jesus appeared to on the road to Emmaus. These are unique accounts and unique people we find in the book of Luke. Luke also, we see, demonstrated an interest in people, and he was quite expressive when he described many of these individuals. When we look at the purpose, Luke made it clear that he was writing for his reader or readers that they may know with certainty of the things you have been taught. So there was teaching about who Jesus was and about his life, and Luke was writing to help people to be certain that the things that they had been taught were accurate and true and reliable about who Jesus Christ really was. He wanted Theophilus and whoever read this account to understand that Jesus was real. He wasn't just some myth. He was a real person. And they wanted them to understand the truth regarding his work and his ministry. 
Also, we find that he wanted people to know that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We find this recorded in chapter 9, verse 10. And as we mentioned earlier, there's a strong emphasis on discipleship of becoming a faithful follower of Jesus. Luke wanted those who believed in Jesus to surrender their lives completely to Jesus Christ. The Greek or Gentile nature of Luke's readers is, is obvious. It seems he was writing to this uh, a more Gentile audience. Remember, um, we looked at uh, Matthew, which was emphasized a probably a Jewish audience. And Mark was also more of a Gentile audience. Luke was probably more of a Greek or an, maybe even an educated Greek audience. And here's some of the reasons why we, we understand that to be true is that first, Luke frequently explained Jewish localities. For a Jewish audience, you wouldn't need to do that. He traced Jesus' genealogy all the way to Adam. Remember, we saw that in Matthew. Matthew only traced it back to Abraham. That would be the only one that uh, the Jews would be concerned with, the patriarchs, the first patriarch, uh, Abraham. But Luke traces all the way back to the beginning of time, to Adam thus including all people. He referred to Roman emperors in the accounts of Jesus and, and John's birth. So there was a Roman audience, but also a Greek audience would be interested in the emperors. Luke used a number of words which were more familiar to Greek readers than comparable Jewish terms. An example would be the Greek word diaskalos rather than rabbi for the word teacher. So Matthew, Matthew used the word rabbi. Here, Luke uses the word diaskalos, meaning the same thing, but he's using terms that are going to be familiar with the Greek audience. When quoting the Old Testament, Luke quoted from the Septuagint. Now, if you're not familiar with that, the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So he didn't quote Hebrew, but he quoted the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And finally, there is little mentioned regarding Jesus fulfilling prophecy. Again, the Greeks would not be as familiar with that as a Jewish audience would. So remember we talked about the audience or the focus of the Gospels. Each has a different focus. Each one is actually absolutely true. Each account is inspired by the Holy Spirit and thus the Word of God. But yet each of the Gospel accounts takes on a little different flavor based upon the focus of the particular author. And that's, the again, the uniqueness of the scriptures. God used the emphasis of the individuals, the personality of the individuals, the education of the individuals, yet through the power of the Holy Spirit to inspire them to write the word of God for us. Now, when we look at the overall structure of the book of Luke, it's kind of like the overall outline we can divide the book into five sections. And we'll take, briefly take a look at those. The first section we would call the introduction of the Son of Man, which is chapters 1, 1, verse 1, through chapter 4, verse 13. And here, Luke is laying the foundation. Here's where he gives the birth narratives of John and of Jesus and even some of the early years of Jesus' life. So he's laying the foundation about who this Jesus is and the divine nature of Jesus. 
Uh, he wants his readers to understand also the divine calling of the forerunner, John the Baptist. There's an emphasis that is placed on John's ministry as preparing the way for Jesus. And of course, he is an emphasis on his baptism, the genealogy, and the temptation. All these set the stage for Jesus's public ministry. The next section we would call the Galilean ministry of the Son of Man, which begins in chapter 4, verse 14, through chapter 9, verse 50. In this section, we see Jesus beginning his ministry, performing miracles, teaching. We see his authority demonstrated over disease, demons, nature, sin, tradition, and even over people. Uh, there are certain miracles that happen in this section that are setting the stage for his early teaching ministry with the multitudes and also with his disciples. In this section, he calls his first disciples and begins to receive resistance from the religious leaders. Now, this section, though seemingly short, covers about two to two and a half years of Jesus's life. Then we come to the next section, which is chapter 951 through 1927, and we call this the Jerusalem Journey of the Son of Man. This section begins in 951, which says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So he's taking several months to make a trek to Jerusalem. And in this section, he is going to talk about his suffering, his death and his resurrection. Uh, he's taking time to prepare his disciples for this. There's more teaching during this section for the disciples. Uh, the rejection of the religious leaders continues to increase as Jesus draws near to the time of his death. And also Jesus, this section reveals his rejection of the nation because of the rejection of the religious leaders. There are many opportunities in this section that Jesus takes to teach his disciples about important things, about prayer, faithfulness, repentance, humility, discipleship, forgiveness. These are the things Jesus is taking the time to teach his disciples in order to prepare them for the ministry that they will eventually have. Then we come to the next section of the book of Luke, which we would call the Passion Week of the Son of Man, from chapter 1928 through 2238. And this begins with Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He prepares for the final act of rejection by the religious leaders, which is his crucifixion. And Jesus teaches his disciples also in this section about the end times. We saw this a little bit in Mark uh, and in Matthew. Uh, this same type teaching occurs here in this section. But also in this section, we find the establishment of the Lord's Supper, which again, we saw in Matthew and Mark where he, at, at the uh, Passover meal, Jesus takes the time to institute something new for his disciples to remember him by. And we call it the Lord's Supper. There is finally the surrender of his life, uh, his wrongful trial. And then also we find that Luke alone records Pilate's three attempts to free Jesus by proclaiming his innocence. So again, another section of uh, unique material. The final section of the book would be the death and victory of the Son of Man. The Son of Man is crucified like a common criminal along with two other thieves. 
Luke alone records the one thief who asked Jesus to remember him when he entered into his kingdom. We see that uh, in Matthew's account, there were two thieves there who were accusing and, uh, Jesus, but finally one seems to turn and say, Lord, remember me as you come into your kingdom. Finally, Jesus surrenders his spirit to the Father. He, he dies on the cross and he's buried in Joseph's tomb. Luke then records the empty tomb and Jesus' resurrection appearances. And one unique section, as we mentioned earlier, is his appearance to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and then later to the rest of the disciples. So Luke not only shows the empty tomb, but act the actual appearances of Jesus to his disciples. Finally, there is his ascension into heaven, which ends the account of the life and ministry of Jesus. So this this is the overview of the book of Luke. Uh, we're going to look at some major themes in understanding the book of Luke. And in our next episode, we'll look at some specific passages. But now we'll cover what I call keys to understanding Luke. And these are some of the themes. One of the themes is the son of man or the perfect man. Jesus is referred to as the son of man 26 times in Luke. He refers to himself many times as the Son of Man. Now, this title takes us all the way back to the book of Daniel and is a reference to one called the Son of Man, which is a very special person in the book of Daniel. And also it's a reference to the Son of God. And so Luke is using this term of Jesus, though it's not unique, the term to the Gospels, he uses it quite often here in reference to Jesus. Jesus is also presented as the Messiah, Christ, the Lord, in chapter 2, verse 11, though he, thus he is indeed God in the flesh. He is the ideal Son of Man who identified with the sorrow and plight of sinful humanity in order to pay for their sin and offer the priceless gift of salvation. So this is part of the theme of the Son of Man. We also see that miracles and parables have a significant place in Luke's account. Luke records 16 of Jesus's miracles, of which six of those are unique to Luke's account. And these include the great catch of fish in chapter 5, the raising of the widow's son in chapter 7, the crippled woman healed on the Sabbath, in chapter 13, the man healed on the Sabbath, chapter 14, 10 men healed of leprosy in chapter 17, and the healing of the man whose ear was cut off uh, at Jesus' arrest in chapter 22. Luke alone records that healing. Matthew records the fact that Peter cut off the ear of the high servant, but he doesn't record this healing. Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on and heals the man. And again, this is a unique to Luke's account. So these miracles confirm Jesus' deity and his authority to lead people. Then Luke records nine parables that are unique to his account. And these include the Good Samaritan. We're very, many are very familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, the rich fool. Uh, the fruitless fig tree. There's the seats at the marriage feast the Great Supper, the parable of the lost coin, and 
parable of the prodigal son. That may be one of the most famous of Jesus' parables. Uh, the parable of the unjust steward. Then there's the rich man in Lazarus, which is probably more than a parable. It's probably an actual account. And then there's the Pharisee and the, the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. These are stories that Jesus told to teach certain truths in the gospel account. Uh, then we another theme is the birth narratives. Luke gives great emphasis on the birth of John the Baptist and of Jesus, but not only just the birth, the conception of both of these individuals, the miraculous conception by Elizabeth, who was well past the age of childbearing, and the miraculous conception of Mary, who conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not by human uh, conception. And so these two counts are unique to Luke and both focus on the divine nature of Jesus and the divine calling of John the Baptist. Luke alone records songs of praise given by Mary, Zacharias, the angel's song to the shepherds, and Simeon's praise to God. So these songs of praise, this is all part of that introductory section, the first four chapters. So there's an emphasis on Jesus's birth, his conception and birth. There's also an emphasis of the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke. Luke refers to the Holy Spirit more times than Matthew and Mark combined. He is present in many significant people. John the Baptist, Mary, Elizabeth, Zacharias, Simeon, and of course, Jesus. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, tested by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, filled with the joy of the Spirit, and he expected his disciples to do the work by the power of the Spirit. All oh, these are some of the emphasis we see on the work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke. Also, Luke includes a number of different classes of people. Luke points out all classes of people are accepted by God through Jesus Christ. Outcasts, women, children, the poor, Gentiles, Samaritans, all these people find a significant place in the ministry and the message of the Son of Man. Luke had taken a keen interest in people, for he records the names of many individuals that Jesus ministered to. The word for woman is mentioned 43 times in Luke and includes such significant women as Elizabeth, Mary, Anna, and the, are the women who traveled with Jesus. So Luke is including all people, and again, an emphasis on women in the ministry of Jesus. And finally, there is an emphasis on prayer. Luke gives a strong emphasis to prayer through several examples. We find chapter 3, 5, 6, 9, 22, all their accounts of Jesus' prayer uh, and his teaching on prayer to his disciples. So that finds a significant theme in the book of Luke. So these are just some of the things that we find that are themes throughout the book. Again, now we haven't looked at individual passages, which we will do in our next episode, but I'd like to talk about some lessons that we can draw from the overall study of our book of Luke. First of all, we understand that Jesus came to bring salvation to all people, regardless of their race, ethnicity, social status, religious background, or sinful state. The gospel goes to all people. 
and Luke emphasizes that in several different ways throughout his book. Jesus calls those who receive him as Savior to surrender their lives unconditionally to follow him. And we'll, we've seen that in Matthew and Mark, but it's emphasized, it seems like, even more so in the book of Luke. Believers can have assurance and confidence in their salvation because it does not depend on their own faithfulness, but on Christ's faithfulness. And finally, Jesus is the perfect man who gives his followers an example to follow. So these are just some of the lessons, uh, many other lessons we learn from the book of Luke. These are just some of them. Then I have a section called For Life Today that's a little more specific on application. And I would say in this section, never doubt the work of Jesus Christ as being sufficient for your salvation. And what I mean by that, what Jesus did was enough. There's nothing you can do. There's no amount of work, no amount of faith that is enough to save you. Simple childlike faith in what Jesus did is enough to bring salvation into your life. Jesus did all the work necessary. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He paid for your sins. He rose again the third day. He is alive and offers salvation to all who trust in him. Also, in order to faithfully follow Jesus, one must deny your own personal desires, be willing to suffer for Jesus' sake if you have to, and to do whatever Jesus says. So this is part of following Jesus. This is not the requirement for salvation. We need to make that clear. But if you're going to be a faithful follower, Jesus made it clear you must do these things. Thirdly, I encourage you to place your hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. Because this world offers you no hope. Jesus offers you hope. And finally, Pray regularly and consistently if you want to see God's work in your life and in the world. These are just some of the things that we can apply to our life from the book of Luke. So as we uh, draw to a close, I hope that this has been helpful in your basic understanding of the book of Luke. Again, I encourage you to take the notes uh, and review them or listen to this podcast several times. Again, it helps to give you kind of the big picture of the book. In our next episode, we'll begin to look at some particular passages. Again, we can't study every passage, but some particular passages from the book of Luke that are significant that we need to hear and to understand. Thank you again for listening to this episode of From God to Us, and may God bless you as you continue to study his word.